This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're uh, truly honored and excited to welcome Stephen Song, architect and real estate investor, founder of SCA, that's SCA, S-C-A-A-A, a strategic consulting, planning, and architecture practice with studios in Los Angeles, Seoul, Osaka, and Dallas. Stephen is also a board member of the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles and a board member of the SCI ARC. SciArc, Southern California Institute of Architecture, as well as the CEO of Axel Companies, which invests in real estate and social impact businesses. This is terrific. Stephen and his team at SCA recently brought to market the SCA process, which combines research, AI technology, through a tool in development called ABE, or A-I-B-E, which reimagines project delivery and provides a new way forward for real estate investment. For more information, feel free to visit their website at SCA.com. That's S-C-A-A-A dot com. Stephen, thank you for being here. So honored to have you. Thank you for having me. As we we talked about prior to the show or shows before is a, you know, a quote or a mantra or an axiom that, that, that resonates with you personally or professionally that uh, you leverage maybe on a, maybe not on a daily, but an occasional basis that means it matters much to you. Yeah. You know, I was given the heads up that you might ask this. <laughs> and uh, I think the uh, quote has to be of my mentor, uh, Robert Venturi. And um, he said, more is not less. And that was really about the idea of the difficult whole, where the difficult whole is the difficult unity through inclusion rather than the easy unity through exclusion. And when he said that, I think he said it in the context of architectural design and suggested it as a formal and compositional strategy focused on organization of diverse elements, contradictory forms and scales in the plan and the facade. So really, uh, it was about the, it was about architectural design, but in an urban level or, um, real estate or perhaps, uh, in our office, the difficult whole is a strategy to try and converge different modes of information necessary in order to read a place more comprehensively and ultimately making better decisions in the built environment. That making better decisions in the built environment. Personally, how and when, if you can recall, did it that really, really matter to you? Or was there a 
turning point for them? Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was the early days of my career in New York. I started working at these corporate offices. And I think I was lucky enough to be put on two very large multi-billion dollar projects um, backed by multi-billion dollar companies. <laughs> the smartest people with a lot of money. Um, and to, and saw those projects fail. And I think, you know, as an architect, um, you're often, you know, your starting point is when the, the program's already set. It's already decided how big and what they're going to build. And, um, architects are mostly engaged, mostly, um, working on what it looks like, you know, maybe some other details of how things are put together, but I'm mostly aesthetically concerned about the project. Um, but, you know, as you work on it, you, and then you keep visiting the site, um, and, and you feel something's off, you know, kind of feels like, you know, um, I describe this, uh, in this way, um, you know, those Disney okay. coloring books that you yes, do. <laughs> color that maybe, you know, from your childhood where, uh, you're given an outline of a character and all you do is fill it in, right? With colors and, you know, and then you're commended on how, how beautiful you paint or like maybe the style in which you paint. Um, but what if, what if the underlying, um, drawing is wrong? What if the outlines are wrong? What if the early assumptions are wrong? And the two projects that didn't go well, um, as well as uh, the developers thought they would, um, something felt off and, while working on it. And I think we really, um, you know, when I was speaking to the developers at the time, I think they really misread a place. They really misread a, a neighborhood um, that those projects were in. And I think to understand a place and its value, one has to first recognize that it is a multi-layered thing that is as complex, complex as a person's mm -hmm. life or many people's lives were engaged with a place. You know, numbers only show a partial image of a place. You know, I, I think, um, I'm like using this as an example, just, you know, just like how Greenwich Village and the Upper West Side of New York may have the same rent per square foot. But we know they're fundamentally different places. But how do we systemically bring what that difference is into the real estate equation? How do we digest that qualitative aspect of a place and use it to inform our decisions in architectural design and real estate? Some people read as much as they can about that place. Some try to visit that place as many times as they can. Um, some listen to what people think about the place, you know, reputation of the place. But how can we be sure that we're really getting the whole picture? Even as the final decision maker, how do you know that your own self-bias is not affecting the decisions you make? How do we balance information and at the same time do not leave anything on the table? This is a common anxiety in our field. But I think... It can change. Um, and, and our style process and Abe, um, is our efforts towards changing that. And, um, Abe really stands for AI for built environment. Um, and 
one of the most significant aspects of the latest AI technology is that it is multimodal. It can take in different kinds of information, papers, news articles, essays, blogs, and make a holistic conclusion which can help realistic professionals understand the quality of a place without the human bias and hopefully ultimately finding the best and highest use of that land for that place. What suits that place the best? Wow. That self-bias is affect the decision. And so you're minimizing that self-bias or in some ways ego, because <laughs> uh, you mentioned the project, it'd be multi-billionaires with a million dollar, multi-billion dollar projects. You're taking that... Um, I don't know if that, maybe I'm to be too simplistic. An ego factor away from that is that accurate or not? So, a little bit, yeah. At least you know in understanding the place. I think after you understand a place um, more holistically, um, I think there's still a human component to this where you you know you have to digest that information that the program gives you, um, and then overlay your own desires. But you're better guided you know, than before. Um, so it's not completely uh, sure. human-less. I don't think it'll ever be um, because it's the place that we live in. And I think that human touch is crucial um, and necessary. Um, but hopefully, big eagles are better informed. <laughs> I think that's... I, I love that. <laughs> Can you describe the SCA process without giving away your secret sauce? Sure. Here. Of course. Um, so I think I should tell you that. So I, I think we, you know, I just mentioned two different sort of um, things here, Abe and Scott process. Uh, Scott process has been there. I mean, we've been developing it for the last, uh, gosh, 13 years, 14 years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a particular method that we use to understand a place and carry that early analysis of a place all the way into design. Um, seamlessly so that there's no break uh, in the process. And um, Abe uh, is, was a recent development to help us exp expedite that, um, but also, uh, you know, um, make us be more accurate and less biased. Um, and the SCA process is, you know, starts by analyzing a multitude of variables, uh, both quantifiable and intangible, to determine the optimal positioning for properties. And once the positioning is established, then the variables are examined and weighed to develop programs. We then map the circulation between programs to amplify the experiential journey such that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And finally, we translate that special programming into architectural plans. And each step is aided by our Abe. Brilliant, just brilliant. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. We're talking today with Stephen Song, architect, real estate investor, and founder of SCA, the SCAAA, a Los Angeles-based international design office focusing on strategic planning and architecture. For more information, please visit SCA.com. That's S-C-A-A-A dot com. The uh, I'll also circle back to what you had said, Stephen, about that the numbers only share a portion of the uh, uh, the place. Can you describe to your audience how that how so? 
you know, typical real estate formula and that, that, um, real estate professionals, uh, use, um, in analyzing a neighborhood, um, understanding what to build and also projecting, uh, performa, like, you know, how, how that building, if built, will perform operates in Microsoft Excel. That's the most sophisticated tool, um, that, that, um, they use. And it's a powerful tool, but by design, it cannot take in any other information, um, numbers. It, it does not, it cannot account for the layers that are not quantifiable. For example, cultural undercurrent, urbanistic and life patterns, and those of various humanities and social science research that are relevant to the built environment and, you know, the place that we live in. We, and, and we recognize that there are limited tools to digest and incorporate this kind of information. Therefore, clients could only get a partial view of the whole thing. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, have you heard of the elephant and the blind people, the blind men trying to figure out what the elephant looks like? Vaguely recall that story. Share with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, an elephant is a huge thing. And, and there were, there were four blind men, each of them feeling out different parts of the elephant's body. So, you know, the blind man who was touching the trunk says, well, um, you know, an elephant is this long, <laughs> snaky thing. And the other blind man says, no, no, no. Now, you know, and the blind, that blind man is, is touching the leg, um, of, of the elephant. And, and he goes, no, no, the elephant is this really thick thing that's, you know, it's almost immobile. So every person, um, you know, who's looking at real estate or the built environment or, you know, the space, the place that we just live in, they are only looking at it through the lens that they understand. They understand. And I think, um, you know, my mentor, uh, Robert Venturi's wife, uh, Denise Scott Brown, who's also my mentor, just as important, uh, if not more. Um, you know, she said a long time ago, uh, to me when I was a young man, he said, she said, <clears throat> um, no one really understands the place we live in. Uh, real estate folks operate in numbers. Architects are mostly concerned about concepts and planners. Well, I don't know what the planners are doing. That's what she said. Um, no, I think it's true. Um, I think there is, uh, there's a lot more and I think we all know it. It's just, we don't know how to combine all of that information. So people rely on their gut feelings. What makes you, Stephen, so curious about how to streamline and make this process, keep the humanity in the process of while leveraging technology? I think that's the only way to build right. I think for, for me and for us, I think that's the ultimate commitment to sustainability um, and better environment um, as architects. I think it's great to put on solar panels on buildings, but if you're building it wrong and it has to come down when the initial use uh, Overlive, I mean, outlives, outlives the, uh, the building. Um, I don't think that's great. I mean, it's, 
it's our effort to build right in the first place, as right as we can, possibly. That asking big questions. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> you did. It absolutely asked, asked, answered better than I thought. Um, how do you all, you're also asking very big questions on a project. Is, is that accurate? Pardon me? You're asking very big questions mm -hmm. when you commence, probably not just commence a project, but when you're actually working on a project. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Um, I mean, we are, I think, because um, we join projects uh, probably a lot earlier than, um, I guess, typical architects uh, join the project. I mean, we joined the project when um, the question still, what to build? What do we build here? Um, and for who? And, um, you know, I guess those early, early questions are um, more open-ended. Is there a process that you have? Well, I know that you have Ska and you have Abe. Is there also a process that you just one that you capture the essence of a project just when you go in to meet with your clients that you go through without, again, giving away your intellectual property? Is there a formal process that you have personally when you go into a project that you can share with your audience if you're at liberty to do so? Uh, could you ask? Yeah. Sure. Is there a a, pro, a personal process that you have in addition to Abe and Ska when you go into a project that you that you reference when you meet with clients? Mm. You know, we, you mean whatever's not in Ska process already? <laughs> sure. I mean, if, if wow, you just answered it. It's already within the. It's already within. Yeah. It. I, I mean, I, I we we threw in everything that. We, <laughs> we've developed that into wow. I mean, it's it's the idea is that we develop i mean we wrote a you know a pretty detailed paper on this and that's how um you know in a we published it in a scholarly journal and uh, where it was peer-reviewed and, and that's how it got copyrighted we wanted to share it we wanted to share it with everyone what we know so that maybe others can take a look at it. and it's not the it's not the the only way, but it is one of maybe um, the ways that um, maybe uh, you can do projects a little bit better informed, if you will. Copyright. You you had it copywritten. What was the inspiration for you to copyright that process? I think we really wanted to show that there is a way for architects to protect protect our creativity. I think uh generally speaking uh, out of all the creative uh people uh and and professionals um i think we're pretty bad at protecting our ip <laughs> and, um you know again this is not the only way to protect yes. our ip but it is a way um so i think we just wanted to show that it was possible and maybe um hopefully inspire other architects to take our ideas more, you know, um, I don't want to say more seriously, but you know, that, that, you know, think of ways that it could be protected. Can you share Stephen, a, a recent project? You don't have to name names, but just a, a recent project that you're working on. Yeah. Um, we are currently working on, um, a, uh, 
<laughs> it's it, we're working on Asia's largest ranch. Um, it's about two thousand five hundred acres. Uh, it's located in Korea, um, and it's owned by uh, a very famous uh, ramen company. Um, and um, the owner family had owned it for a really long time, and you know, finally they said, well, you know, it's completely underutilized, which is fine. I mean, it's beautiful as is, but they wanted to see, so, I mean, after being successful with their main business, I think they wanted to see if this large ranch could also serve public functions. Um, cause it was mostly being used by the family. Um, and they wanted to open it up and, an amenity to the people of Korea. So it's, it's because it's in Korea and, um, but they didn't know what that was. So, you know, we took our process and try to figure out, um, you know, how that project will provide, um, what the people in Korea, um, might benefit from, um, but maybe not at the expense of um, the nature of or the owners. Terrific. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. We're talking today with Stephen Song, architect, real estate investor, and founder of SCA, a Los Angeles-based international design office focusing on strategic planning and architecture. For more information, you can visit ska.com that's s-c-a-a-a dot com our public service announcement for today's show with Stephen is the Hammer Museum the UCLA Hammer Museum the Hammer Museum champions the art and artists who challenge us to see the world in a new light to experience the unexpected and to ignite people's imaginations and inspire change for more information feel free to visit their website at hammer.ucla.edu that's hammer.ucla.edu again we're with Stephen song of ska Stephen, you you talked about that that the most recent project can you share with us if you're at liberty you know one of the first projects you did with the formal uh, application of SCA and how that was. Oh, um, in the SCA process. Correct. Or, this, yeah. Um, it was a hotel in Dallas. It was a repositioning project. It was a renovation, pretty deep renovation project in Dallas in uh, market center area of Dallas. And um, market center is uh or was back then, because this is already, what, over 10 years old. Um, back then, uh, was a, a warehouse district, um, similar to maybe, uh, arts, you know, what art district, arts district of Los Angeles was before it became hip. Um, or what, uh, you know, Brooklyn or Dumbo was like before it became Dumbo in Brooklyn. It was there to, originally there, the neighborhood was there to service uh, the core uh, of downtown. 
But as the city expanded and the logistics technology uh, advanced, um, there was no real need for such warehouses. Um, so it became empty. Um, and so we saw some parallels uh, between Market Center and these other uh, places around the U.S. And um, we, through through our process, we learned that um, this area had was going to go through similar patterns as some of these other better known places that went through the gentrification, or you know, the boom and then the gentrification and market center. And we identified that it was right before um, when we entered the site, it was right before that boom. So we positioned, uh, you know, we, I guess, strategically positioned the renovation to um, fit into that new context that was going to emerge, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the hotel did really, really well. Um, I think in the, uh, the owner, um, projected that it was going to do um, uh, this well. And then um, we outperformed that original projection by 58.6% or something in terms of a, a, a gross operating profit in year three. Wow. So I think, I mean, it helps everybody, right? So if you position it right, then the, the property or the building becomes what that area is asking for. And then the owner does better because it's performing better and, you know, it, it becomes relevant. Like that becomes relevant. Is there a, this is a little bit of a, a right turn question, but is there even a possibility or a probability of licensing the SCA process? Because I can see it, the application is, is on virtually every building and dwelling, in my opinion. Yeah. Currently, we're providing um, the service. Like if a, if a client comes to us and says, um, hey, I, I just want to know if our thesis is correct. Am I reading this neighborhood correctly? We have um, uh, like a, almost like a subscription service where uh, we take the program and, and the process and we take a quick look at that site and tell them, um, what we think is the best and highest use uh, of that place, of that site, um, essentially what they should build. Uh, and um, uh, we're already providing that uh, okay. service. So, you know, currently um, we provide it to developers, but also actually, uh, interestingly, very recently, two of the um, a very large global real estate fund. Um, wow, are seeking it too. So it's it's been pretty interesting. I mean, it took a long time for real estate is a very stubborn industry. <laughs> it's kind of like the yeah. automobile industry. I feel like one one of my friends um, was was talking. You know, when I was talking to him about this, he was like, you know, it's kind of like the automobile industry. It's a successful industry. They have their own formula that's been working fine for the longest time. And, you know, the automobile industry could never come up with electric cars. It had to come from outside. They couldn't reinvent themselves. And in a way, I mean, we have really smart people in the real estate industry, but I think it's, it's just, it's been 
successful. So um, not many people know that they may be missing information when, when they're making decisions. And, and it's a long-term, you know, every real estate project is, you know, takes a while. So, so I think when um, their initial projection goes south and it doesn't work out, it's easy to blame the macro cycle. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, very true. Stephen, what would you like to share with your audience that we uh, that you we may not have touched on or talked about during your show today? Mm. Well, I think that's. I think I talked. I think I talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know if there are students listening. Because uh, I always, you know, I always thought, actually, I always thought I was going to end up in the academia. Uh, if there are students listening, there's not just one way to become an architect. There are many ways um, to contribute to the built environment. Um, you know, and there are different types of architects, and they're all correct. So find what, what works well for you, you know. Um, don't be afraid to go outside of the... I guess, what you think architects ought to do. Stephen, an absolute honor and pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syracleth. Our guest today has been Stephen Song, architect, real estate investor, and founder of SCA a Los Angeles-based international design office focusing on strategic planning and architecture. For more information, you can visit their website at ska.com. That's S-C-A-A-A dot com. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit Cereclad.com.